Hey, this is T.R. Matson, author of uh, Treason Flight and Vengeance Flight, sitting here with the Relationships and Revenue podcast with John Bullen. Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin, as always. Thrilled to have each and every one of you with me today. And as you heard from that wonderful introduction, I have the one and only T.R. Matson with me today. T.R., how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Oh, man. Better than I deserve. Agreed. Better than Same. I deserve. Same. So, folks, as you heard, T.R. mentioned that he is the author of two books, Treason Flight and Vengeance Flight. And we are going to dive deep into both of those books in just a minute. But a little bit more about TR. He has over two decades in both the military and civilian aviation. That's right. He is a pilot through and through. Now, there is a connection to another one of our, I'll say, famous, at least I think he's famous, uh, guests we've had on, Mike Manazer, call sign Nasty. You guys remember him. Was a, uh, oh my gosh, TR, that interview, I mean, honest to goodness, we went two hours. We could have gone two. Oh, yeah, I believe I mean, He's just, full, he's a great storyteller. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing storyteller. <laughs> so, Mike, if you get to hear this again, man, thumbs up to you, my friend. So good. So good. But while you were in the Navy, you were a naval aviator, and you were, you got to serve under Mike at one point. Right. Isn't that correct? Right. Yep. Okay. And that was on the USS Nimitz? Yes. He was the skipper of the Nimitz, and I was an E-2 pilot in the air wing. Nice. Now, for those of us who aren't quite as familiar with the... Hold on. I'm going to make sure I use this term correctly. Is it your rig? Is that what you fly? Is your rig? Uh, I mean, people call it different things, you know, just your aircraft. Okay. That's all. Okay. So your that's... aircraft. So the E2 is the Hawkeye, correct? Correct. Okay. But you've also flown um, the F-18. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yes, sir. Okay. And then at one point, you were doing training tours on the F-45 Goshawk. T-45. T45. Excuse me, T45. I can't read my yep. own stupid handwriting. That's all See, right. <laughs> I write it so fast, folks. You know, <laughs> we make it as confusing as we possibly can, too. So that doesn't help. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. There we go. And you were an LSO, mm -hmm. which is a right. landing signals officer. Yes, sir. Okay. Again, you, you guys in the military, you do like your acronyms. We do. That's why I hate acronyms now. I try to use them as little as possible. So, because for every new acronym I have to learn, I have to lose one of the old ones. So, I try to use them as little as possible. I hear you. I hear you. And today you are a pilot for a major airline. I, uh, yeah, I fly and I teach for a, a U.S. airline. Nice. Nice. Okay. So you teach. Uh, I do. I mean, teaching other pilots? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So um, new pilots or new pilots to the airline, new pilots coming to the aircraft I teach on, um, or pilots that are qualified that, you know, in the airlines, uh, Every so often in our particular case, it's every nine months, every pilot comes back through for two days of training oh. um, just to make sure their skills are sharp and they're up to something. It's kind of a mixed bag of all of that mm. as well. So quite a lot of, quite a lot of training it takes up a lot of time, but it's really rewarding as well. Sure. Sure. I would imagine. So, okay. 
talk to us a little bit about your backstory, because I always find these fascinating. First of all, what caused you to want to go into the Navy? Well, that's interesting. Um, very little, actually. Um, you know, I, I have said before, I, I truly admire people, especially in aviation, that had a background in it. You know, their dad or mom were pilots, and they just grew up with that love of the sky. Um, that was not the case. My dad was an auto mechanic. My mom mm. uh, ran a business with him. My sister and I grew up in that business, uh, working on cars, and and uh, I could change oil before I could drive a car and things like that. And, Me too. Um, they, yeah, they were hardworking, hardworking people. And, and, you know, we saw that, but there was zero aviation. My father was enlisted in the Air Force um, during the Vietnam era mm. and was, an auto, was a truck mechanic in the Air Force. Um, and then, uh, so there's really no aviation background. And the only story I can point to, which is extremely cliche, uh, but it's just, it is what it is, is there was one time we were out fishing uh, off the coast of New Jersey and the Blue Angels were doing an air show over Columbia. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know what was going on. We had no plans for it. So, you know, my dad pulls the boat a little closer and we <laughs> watch. And I literally at one point, you know, kind of did the pull on his, his shirt and asked if I could do that. And I'll never forget, he looked at me, he's like, of course you could do that. There's no reason you couldn't do that. And that was it. There was no follow on. There was no dream at that point that I was going to be a fighter pilot or do any of that. It just kind of was one little nugget that was in my brain. And mm. then fast forward, you know, I, I played some sports, not a ton. Uh, I ended up kind of, I thought I had a plan for college. It kind of backfired. I went to a school, didn't do very well in my first year. I actually did transfer down to another school. Um, and I was down there on what I call my second freshman year. And uh, <laughs> I had joined the ROTC program just as oh. something to get involved in. And the senior who was in charge of the program, who I'm still friends to, to this day, asked me one day, he's like, so what do you want to do in the Navy? And I had never really given it a thought. Mm. You know, I didn't, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I was thinking, well, I'm in this program here. I, I don't know. And, uh, and I told him that and he goes, well, what about flying? And I looked at him dead in the face and I was like, the Navy has planes. And he's like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for that. And like, so there was really, you know, whether, but that was it. And then once I got my sights on it, then it was, I was going to get it. I was going to get mm -hmm. my aviation selection spot. I was going to go fly. I was going to get my world. I mean, that was, once I had that, that was probably the first time in my life where I really had like true direction and a focus. And it was like, nothing was going to stop me. I was, mm -hmm. I worked my butt off for the next four years at that school and, and it worked out. Nice. Nice. Okay. So. You finished up at school doing ROTC the whole time. Whole time, four years. Yeah, and that led you directly into the Navy at that point. Yeah, so I got commissioned um, right out of college, I mean, on my graduation day, uh, and then had already selected an aviation slot, one of the few. Oh. Um, so I knew I was going to go be a pilot, essentially. So then right from college, I think I sat around for a couple months, and then they sent me to Pensacola mm. to start the training. Um, six weeks in Pensacola, then found out I was getting the, uh, extreme luxury of crash training with the air force. So I was fully excited to stay in Pensacola to do my flight training. And they sent me to Enid, Oklahoma in the middle of the country to work with the air force, which in hindsight was probably the best thing that could have happened to somebody that did not have an aviation background because their, their training is extremely structured. Um, oh. it's 12 hours a day, six months straight every wow. day, no break. Um, and it's what somebody like like me needed because I didn't have anything to fall back on. I didn't have, right. you know, some, I mean, most of the people in my class had at least soloed, had at least flown 50 hours. Mm -hmm. I remember being on my first flight with an instructor and, and I was doing something and, and he's like, 
can you, can you hold the plane level? And I was like, I don't even know what instrument to look at to hold it level, you know? And, right. And he was mad at me. And he's like, he's like, how many hours do you have in flying? And I was like, counting this flight? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, about 30 minutes. Like, I don't, you know, and then he realized I was a Navy guy, reminded him and he was like, they didn't really love us at the time there, you know, because of the background. <laughs> and, and I get it, you know, now looking back, I, I understand that, but it was just funny where I was like, yeah, I needed that structure, but, but it worked out. So that's fantastic. And so how many different, I'm again, since I don't know all the vernacular, yeah, you'll sure. have to, you have to pardon me on this. If you're on like a different ship, does that mean it's a different deployment each time? Um, so sort of, so we were assigned, um, when I finally finished all my training and I was checked out fully qualified, um, in the Hawkeye, mm -hmm. then I joined my first squadron, I actually joined them on deployment. They sent me, oh. um, the training is, is, uh, in Norfolk is where the squadron is. VAW 120 is the Hawkeye training squadron. And I went directly from there to Australia. Uh, oh, wow. and, met, and met my squadron uh, in Australia. They were kind of on the back half of their deployment. Um, and then I stayed with that squadron for a little over three years. I did two more deployments um, with that squadron. And for the whole time, we happened to be on the same ship. We were on the Nimitz. Um, but that's hmm. not, that's more coincidence than it is anything else. Oh, okay. um, so I did three deployments there. Uh, and then I went on to uh, do a very, very brief instructor tour and then picked up the transition of Fly Hornets. Got checked out in a Hornet, and then it ended up doing another deployment in the Hornet. So four four combat deployments total in my between the E two and Hornet time. Wow! So talk to us a little bit. Uh, I want to learn more about your transition. What I mean by transition is from your military career to civilian life. Sure. Uh, because I've had lots of different folks on the show before TR, and um, I've had a lot of very famous athletes on the show. I've had a, a lot of folks who have had all kinds of tremendous success in their lives in what I'll call their first lives. Mm -hmm. And the transition for many people, especially for like professional athletes, is very difficult. Sure. I've heard stories from friends of mine who were in the military, very similar, how difficult it was to go from all the structure they had in the military to now none, essentially. And it's like, I don't know what to do with it. So sure. what was it like for you? Uh, in a word, the transition from military to civilian life was horrible. Uh, mm. I did very, I did, I did not do well at it. Um, I, I got, I mean, I was lucky enough to immediately, uh, when I finished my active duty time, I got a reserve job that was mm. teaching, which was fun. So I still got to do some stuff there. Um, but then I got on with a major U.S. carrier, right? And this should be the dream, but it was so different. The flying was different. The training was different. Um, the structure was different. The, there was, there was a different mission success. So for, mm. for 13 years of active duty time in the military, every day I went to work, there was a mission, you know, whether that mission was flying or whether that mission was on deployment or you're supporting troops on the ground, or you're, you have enlisted men and women that are working for you that you need to take care of them and make sure they're progressing and their lives are okay. Um, there was always that mission driven, you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, I completed something. I felt good. Mm -hmm. And then once I, you know, and that was there initially, you know, going through the training at the airlines is very intense. It's a month long minimum. Um, and I was, I, I dove into that and then you, you learn how to fly the plane in real time. And then, you know, you're flying it and about three or four months after all that was over, that kind of mission went away. And it just mm. became very mundane. You know, it's you're yeah. flying from, you know, L.A. to New York or whatever, whatever you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at the, and I laugh at this now because I've been doing this job almost nine years now. Um, but it was at about the one year mark. I told my wife I was going to quit. I was wow. like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And she is the best wife in the world. Oh my God. Way smarter than I am. Super supportive. And she's like, okay. She'd ever asked me what my plan was, what hmm. I was going to do to earn money, what I was going to do. I mean, we didn't have children at the time, but, but that was coming and we wanted a family. And hmm. uh, she just said, why don't you give it a week and, and think about it? And I said, okay, uh, that's fair. And during that week, I flew a trip with a guy. Then I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm, and he's like, you're insane. Then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like, there's not this, there, there's other things there, right? This is, it's just not for me. And we got to talking back and forth and he goes, have you ever taught? And I was like, yeah, I've taught a lot. I'm currently, I'm an instructor, you know, in, in the Navy as a reservist. Mm-hmm. And he goes, why don't you apply to be an instructor here? And I was like, you can do that. And once that process happened, I was hooked. And that was my passion. Mm-hmm. That was my mission to be able to, I love nothing more in the teaching world than to get the, the pilots that nobody else can get through to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having, they're really struggling. They're, they're just, it doesn't click. And to be able to present it in a way that it just works, that's the most rewarding yeah. thing professionally that I can do. And, and I've been doing it now for most of my time at the airline. So, um, but it was a very tough, very, you know, there was definitely a place I was supposed to be. I just wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happens in life. And I think that's a good thing um, because it keeps us driving forward and, and not just getting comfortable. I don't like getting comfortable. My wife will say that kind of to a detriment. I, I really don't enjoy <laughs> when I get comfortable. I feel like I'm stagnating and I don't like mm-hmm. this. It's not a good place to be. So for me personally. Um, so, yeah, it's worked out. I've really enjoyed it. I did it um, for five years as a first officer. And then I upgraded to captain and now I'm back as a captain. So uh, it's a really, it's a fun job. I enjoy it a lot. Very cool. You know, it, it reminds me, TR, of, of a few things. First one that came to mind was uh, nothing grows in a comfort zone. I agree. Nothing. 100%. It's, you, you use the word stagnant and immediately I, I thought of a river that doesn't move. It, the, and you were talking about being on the water with your dad earlier. I mean, when you're ever someplace where it's a small body of water that doesn't move, it stinks after a while. Oh, yeah. It smells horrible. And that's what it's like in our lives when we're stagnant. It just, it stinks to us. It smells horrible. We hate it. Yep. So I, I get that. Um, I've also found, um, I don't know if this is true for you. This is something I came up with a, a while ago. It's called the, the P3. Uh, it starts with pain. Our greatest source of pain, if we'll work through it, will lead to our purpose. And those two together lead us to our platform. That's exactly what you did. Yeah, it makes sense, hundred percent. I I agree with all that. It, it was amazing to me when I finally realized that you know I enjoy being uncomfortable. That's where I thrive. Um, mm. You know, put my back up against the wall, and I am I'm in my comfort zone. That's where I can really accomplish things and do things. And there's you know, and it's and it's not a you know one of my old bosses to say don't read your own press. That was his thing. You know, and it's mm-hmm. a story about <laughs> it was it was a story about I landed on the aircraft carrier in the Hawkeye and it was a beautiful landing which was very rare. And I was you know I was on cloud nine you know and I saw him. I go did you see that landing? And he goes yeah it was pretty good huh? He, yeah it was good. He goes don't read your own press. What does that mean? And he's like that ship will kill you tomorrow. He's like it doesn't matter. And it's true. And I, I firmly believe that. I don't care what I accomplish. Um, I take a moment to go, okay, I did it great, but it doesn't matter because if you sit there and you, you stagnate and you look at your own press for too long, then essentially Mm -hmm. somebody else is going to be passing by 
For sure. You know, and it's not, it's, it's different at different points in my life too. You know, when I was younger, it was accomplishing things personally. Mm. Um, and now it's definitely grown into more of the family side of it. I'm passing down this to my, my kids, you know, giving a good life to my wife, things like that, you know? So it's really, it's interesting how it's, we were talking about it last night outside, how it's, how it's kind of changed, but, but it's just as exciting. It's just as important. Mm-hmm. It's just a different avenue. That's all. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, let's jump into the books. So sure. I got to ask first, first and foremost, the very first thought that comes into my head is not, hey, this guy spent time in the military as a fighter pilot. Now he's a pilot for the airlines. He trains there an author. That's just not the first <laughs> thing that pops in my head. Sure. And, and, and not, not only are you an author, you're an author of fiction. Correct. Which is way different as, as someone who's, who's in the middle of writing his first book. It's just, that's a different animal altogether. Oh, yeah. So how did that come about? Well, sadly, the first book, Trees in Flight, um, now did not have a title until I was done writing it. So it Mm. wasn't called that um, at this moment. But I wanted to write an autobiography, Mm. believe it or not. And I got about a half a page in, and I realized nobody cares about what I did in my career. I'm not autobiography worthy. So I immediately shifted gears, and I went, well, I can tell stories. And one of the, one of the books and then movies that really shaped my life from an aviation standpoint was not Top Gun, although I love Top Gun, um, was Fly the Intruder by Stephen Koontz. And okay. I love that movie. I love the book. And what I loved about it was his style and, and what he did, mm. which I thought was extremely unique. And I don't think it's been done much until... I did it now is his whole premise of that book. He was an A6 pilot during Vietnam. He did, he did a three-year tour flying the A6. Then he went on to be an instructor and then he got out, became a lawyer and a writer. And what he did is, is he knew he had heard so many stories on the ship. Now they didn't all happen to him. Um, but what he did is he created a fictional character and then he put all these stories on that fictional character. And then as my dad likes to say, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And there's your book. So <laughs> essentially. Um, that is what I did. I made that shift very quickly and I said, okay, well, I know a lot about what it's like to be an E2 pilot. I know a lot about what it's like to be on deployments and to have to Mm -hmm. deal with being away from family and the stresses of the deployment and all that. Mm -hmm. I go, so I can write about that. I I could tell those stories. Some of the things, while it's a fiction book, uh, what I would refer to as fictionalized, some go as far as true. The prologue to Treason Flight's true story that happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's one of the reasons I leave it on the website is, you know, it's say, if you want to see, no kidding, where this is starting from, it started from something that legitimately happened to me on the Nimitz, um, that I probably should not have survived, but I did. So might as well tell the story. And, yeah. um, and it just kind of went from there and, and then where the true plot of the book came was, okay, I can talk about what it's like to be on an aircraft carrier. I can talk about what it's like to fly a Hawkeye or, or be a military member or all that, but that's not really fiction. That's more historical. That's more factual. So how can I spin this to really go down an avenue of getting people's attention and not letting go? And one of the best reviews that I get, and again, not to read my own press, but I love this review. And I get it from Treason Flight, and I'm now getting it from Vengeance Flight since that just came out, is I picked the book up and I couldn't put it down. And that's, Mm. to me, the most important thing as an author, because you... When you say, hey, I want to read your book, right? You're, you're going to buy it somewhere, whether it's, you know, a hardcover, paperback, digital, audiobook, whatever your avenue for digesting the story is, you're going to mm-hmm. pay money for that. 
Right. And I, you know, we work, we all do our thing to make our money and that takes your time. But when you sit down and actually digest the story, that is your time. And to me, time is the most valuable asset we have. And Mm -hmm. I can give you a refund on every one of the books that I sell. I'm not going to, but I could if I wanted to. (laughs) But I can't refund your time. So to me, having a story that captures you to the point where you pick it up, I can't put it down. Oh my God, when's the next one? Oh wait, there is a next one. I pick it up, I can't put it down. That to me is where, okay, I've done you a service uh, by actually making it worth it. And that was my goal. Um, I said that when Treason Flight was about to be published, I said, I have two goals. Number one is you're never, you, no matter where you read a story about military aviation and otherwise, or even leadership, because that's really what the book is about, is about leadership. Mm. Um, you've never heard this story, I promise you. Um, and I was going to make the E2 sexy. And I think I accomplished both of those nice. entries in play. So very cool. All right. So, and, and for those who aren't familiar with the books, uh, would you tell everyone the name of the main character? So uh, Rattler is typically what he goes by. That's his call sign. So, um, so Jack Owens, Lieutenant, and uh, Rattler's his call sign. And he's the, he's a, he starts out in Treason Flight as an E2 pilot that's on a combat deployment, basically. Mm. Uh, away from family, dealing with all of the things that you deal with. Um, but what he finds himself in throughout this process is uh, basically a treasonous plot that People are out to get him. He's kind of fallen into this dark world that he never knew existed. Um, and he didn't want to be there. But now that he's there, he has to do something about it. Nice. And so that came out a couple of years ago, correct? 2021, May of 2021, Treason Flight was published. Okay. Um, and then just June last month, 23, Vengeance Flight, which is the sequel, was published. Okay. And so that's just a continuation of the story of Rattler? It is. It is. I mean, you could read it. I tried to write the second one, which is very difficult to do. I've tried to write it standalone if you really wanted to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would recommend reading the first one first just to get the full, <laughs> you know, the full story. But you could read Vengeance Flight in and of itself and, and understand mm-hmm. what's so. Gotcha. Okay. Plans for more? Yes. Well, it's funny. Uh, a lot of people ask, you know, that's I get emails a lot where it's like, when's the third? You know, and I, I joke, one of the guys I work with, you know, he, he finished it and that was his hmm. thing. He's like, when, when's the third? I need the third book. And I was like, you realize wow. now I could never equate it, but this was the analogy. Um, it would be like when my wife gave birth to our daughter and while she's just holding her, if I went to her and be like, do you want to, do you want to have another? Right. Like, it's like, you got to <laughs> let her right, like, right. Hey, just give it a second. Right. So, yeah. um, there are plans I have, uh, I have plans for the, the third in this series, mm-hmm. um, I have full plans for and have started a completely different book. Um, that's more mm. of a leadership book. Uh, yeah. won't be a book. Um, and then I just today will be getting a book because my newest endeavor. So we're doing this all at the same time is going to be to convert treason flight and vengeance flight into a screenplay for that. Very nice. So I need a comfort now office. as in two <laughs> movies or combined makes one. So. I'm I'm back and forth on that, honestly. Um, you know, in my mind, initially, there'd be two. But from some advice I've gotten, I think one is probably. But I, I need to, you know, it's it's funny. It's an education process to me, right? You know, I, yeah. I asked a few very close friends, and I'm like, well, do you think I could write this in a screenplay? And they're like, sure. And I'm like, well, but I don't know how to write a script. Did you know how to write a book two years ago? And I'm like, 
that's a valid point, you know, and, and on that note, it's <laughs> like 20 years ago, I didn't know how to fly a plane, you know, so we can all learn these skill sets. And the thing about these books that is important to me is I like to do a lot of the work myself because mm. it's, it's my story. I don't have to worry about somebody changing that story. Now, granted, if somebody wanted to give me a we could talk about changing the story. That's fine. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it's important to me mm-hmm. that, and I obviously outsource the professional, um, mm-hmm. like the cover art and editing and the audio book. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it's still my story I'm telling. Sure. So that's sure. a plan. It's busy, uh, full-time day job, two kids, right. you know, two books and a screenplay. So other than that, pretty boring around here. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of, well, and you're married too. So I am, I am. So, uh, it's, it's a lot and, and it's, you know, it's kind of grown into something I never really expected it to. When I originally wrote Trees in Flight, my goal was to write an ebook and that was it because I figured that was simple. Mm-hmm. It's not, but I figured it was. Um, and then somebody was like, well, what about a paperback? You know, I like, it. and I was like, oh, okay, I could learn how to print this to a paperback and do that. That's not a huge, and then my dad was, you know, I like a good hardcover and I'm like, of course you do. So now I've got to format it for a hardcover. And then everything's yeah. done and I feel good. And then my wife's like, where are you going to do an audio book? And I'm like, seriously? So that I had to, you know, I went down that path and, um, you know, life works in mysterious ways, but I reached out to an audiobook narrator that frankly, I mm. had no business with how good he is for him mm. to even reply to my email. And we wow. have become very close friends. He's fantastic. He was the voice of Rattler in Treason Flight. He's going to be the voice or it's just finishing up now, the voice of Rattler in Vengeance Flight. Nice. And I mean, even as somebody who's written the book, I get chills when I hear it through him. Mm. It's just that good. And, um, you know, so then everything's done and I'm like, cool, I accomplished it. Moving on. And then somebody's like, do you have any merchandise? And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, and and again, I'm like, as an author, I'm like, I have books. What more merchandise do you want? You know, it it spins off into a whole, um, you know, a logo, a motto, a whole thing that is kind of taking its own form, which is what's Mm -hmm. driving more of the kind of leadership. I hate to call it self-help. It is kind of okay. set up, but it's very it's cool. quite a ride. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, it's what you may not know about me, TR, is that I have been an, uh, an entrepreneur for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very unique entrepreneur in that all of my business ventures are all different. Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly thinking of new ideas. And as you're sharing some things with me, I bet I came up with seven different business angles on just on the things that you were talking about that is not really appropriate for me to share right now with everybody else on this interview but off air oh yeah very appropriate (laughs) perfect (laughs) lots of things churning in my head right now to say the least so i want to know a little bit more so gosh man the movies thing that's that's definitely kind of churning in my head right now (laughs) to say the least trust me that would be fantastic Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I have a couple friends who have written books. Um, I have one friend in particular, her story technically is fiction. It's mm-hmm. all of it's true. It's all her life, but it's other names. Sure. It's fictional. So it, yeah. It's fictionalized, but it's, it's almost but like it's... historical fiction. Kind of. Sure. Um, the, the other one is, it is this lady's story and it's very heartbreaking. Uh, I won't even get into that, but um, but both of those, uh, their books have become screenplays that are being shopped right now. Yeah. Well, in fact, the one, the first one I mentioned, it's she's in the middle of creating the movie deal right now. I mean, that's yeah. she didn't even have time to talk to me. That's why she's in the middle of all that <laughs> stuff. So that's perfect. It's a good oh, problem. Yeah. 
Oh, for sure. <laughs> so this podcast is called Relationships and Revenue. And the purpose of this podcast is to help people get better with their most significant relationship. Typically, those are the ones you have at home. Not always, but typically that's what it is. With the goal of when those are better, it naturally translates into your business life. Things are going well at home. They're going to be going well at work. And of course, the opposite is also true. If they're not going well at home, they're definitely not going well at work. With that as our backdrop, I want to know what is it that you're doing right now to improve or to make better your most significant relationships at home and what impact do those have on your business? Because as an author, that is your business. Sure. Uh, no, that's a great question. And and one thing jumps out immediately in any relationship applies definitely it starts at communication. I don't think you can have a meaningful, successful relationship, whether it's family, friends, business associates, employees, employers, if you don't, um, I've never seen it. Because as good as we are, as smart as we are, as involved as we are, we can't read people. So, I, and that starts with my wife, um, being honest with her. Um, I, I, I call them kind of my spot checks to make sure we're mm. good. Um, because again, you know, when you have a almost five-year-old and a five-month-old, life's a little chaotic, chaotic sometimes. <laughs> and, yeah. it's, you know, especially with all the other things we're both working, it's very easy to um, to kind of miss out on the, the closest alligator of the canoe. So, you know, we mm. try to, to kind of, and I, I probably do it more, but, but that's just my personality to where, you know, if it's 30 seconds of quiet time, which commodity around here, um, <laughs> you know, I'll ask her, are you good? How are you feeling? Is there anything I need to know about? Is there anything you're not happy about in this? And she'll, it's never, it's, it's never going to be like, oh no, everything's good. Cause that's scary. When the, when the answer is like, that's fine. Like it's not, um, mm -hmm. you know, so, but, but that communication line then spreads to my children and I'm seeing this in my boy now where he's not afraid to ask me questions. He's not afraid to mm. talk to me. He's not afraid to tell me his feeling. I'm sometimes I give him a hard time for too many feelings, but that's okay. <laughs> um, my wife and I balance that out a little bit, but mm -hmm. you know, so that line of communication, but the same thing goes with, you know, what I call kind of my inner circle of friends. Um, they don't all live near me. They're spread out from military lives. They do different yeah. things now. But I mean, even if it's as simple as kind of a, a quick text message of, you know, hey, buddy, check. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing yeah. good. Okay, cool. Like there's still a line of communication that's there um, that's available. So, and then it just networks from, you know, I think when you get into the business world or, and you're working for somebody and for you, that communication has to be there because if it's not, and unfortunately, I've seen this and I see it. There's a lot of people that just say what they think you want to hear. And mm. they expect you to say what they want to hear. And mm. I have never seen that. Um, now, that being said, has it gotten me? Has it always been successful for me to speak my mind? No. Um, do I do it anyway? Yes. Because mm. when you hear something from me, it's 100% true. It's I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is in my perspective. And then if you're above me, if you're my boss, then you can take that information with the rest of the information that you should have that I probably don't and process it. If you're somebody that's working for me, you know exactly where you stand and there's no question. There's not a, well, you know, I think you No, it's a hundred percent clear. And I did that in the military. I was very clear uh, with the enlisted men and women that worked for me. I told them what the expectations were. Um, and then I let them do their job. And I think, you know, like you said, it's, it starts at home, but that spider web goes forever. If you don't, mm -hmm have that communication, my guess is you're not performing to the highest level that you How would you define success? It's different for everybody. 
it changes throughout your life. There was a time when, frankly, uh, for me, success was scoring a goal or something on a field. It turned mm-hmm. into not throwing up on a flight <laughs> became a success because I battled right. with air sickness quite sure. extensively in the beginning. Um, getting my wings was success, flying fighters, success. Um, now success to me is my family is happy, healthy, and safe. So I've provided them with a, a place to live where they're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, they're healthy. So if there's any issues there, we can take care of it. And they're mm-hmm. happy for whatever they want to be happy. And then it's now gone to more of a looking at the next generation. What my success It doesn't matter if I write a billion books and they're all made into movies and I have a bank account that's literally overflowing. To me, success is what does my son and daughter think of me? What does my wife think? So, and and honestly, it's actually my wife thinks what she thinks at that point and it's working out good, but it's next, it's the next generation. What do I teach my my kids Mm -hmm. that they will then hopefully leapfrog my success and be able to go further? In their lives. So to me, the now risk of that. There's small daily successes, right? I sure. mean, there's there's waking up before your alarm and getting everything you wanted to get done and having a good workout, and being a good dad and a good husband and all that. Mm-hmm. But truly the long term success leaving them something that they can take and then go and get their success. Sure. What would you say is the makeup of a great leader? Ooh, there's so many things. But in reality, I think a truly great that at least in my experience, is someone that no matter what, you would follow anywhere. Even if you knew you were following them to imminent failure, you still believed in them enough to. And that comes mm-hmm. from the roots of the military. Um, I mean, when I worked with Nasty and, and in the air wing with Trim, I mean, they could tell me, you're going to get in that jet with no weapons and I'm taking you into combat and you're not coming home. And I would have strapped it because I knew they needed me and they wouldn't have asked me to do it if... That wasn't the only option. And I think that translates to family. I think that translates to business. Um, you, you work for people, you surround yourself around people that truly, I mean, you know, the trust is there. The relationship is there that if they're asking something of you, there's no hidden agenda. There's no, they're out for themselves. It is, this is the picture. This is the big picture. This is what needs to be done. Yep. And they need you to do it. And if that trust is there, then that person's there. If when somebody like that asks you to do something and in your brain, your first thought is, what's their angle? That's mm. the definition of a horrible leader. And I've seen mm. both and you see it everywhere. It's no, you know, the interesting part about the military is it's just a microcosm, right? So I saw the best and the worst leaders. I've saw the best and the worst people in the military. And mm. it's translated to the civilian world. You, you know, you'll see people that you're, I mean, you just look at them and you're like, so obvious you're out for yourself. Yeah. How do you not see this? But they haven't worked with the people or they haven't had the mentor um, to really kind of open up to it. And some people just are that way. They just care about themselves and they don't care about others. And, you know, it's and, and whatever they define success for those people, a lot of times it's pure money or materialistic things or stuff like that, sure. you know, and, and I've just seen that word. So I think that that leader, the, the best form of a leader is somebody that no kidding, you, you don't question him. You just hundred percent accept. Yes. This person is somebody that I am going to follow. And, um, that is not an easy become because mm. question a lot of things and, and it's hard. You know, I saw it when I was asking my young enlisted men and women to work on the flight deck all hours of the night, uh, combat operations, an extremely, extremely environment. And 
I told them, like, we're going to work this. This is our cycle. We have to do this because this is what gets the planes off the carrier. This is what gets them back. It allows maintenance to fix them so we can support the men and women on the ground. This is all part of it. This is our job. But I don't think it was truly until one night I threw the chains over my shoulders and I went up there myself mm. and they saw it. They saw I was willing to do what I was asking. And that's the other thing is you, you see a lot of leaders in life that will ask. They would never do what they're at, you know, and that's, mm. that provides a lot of skepticism. It always has. So, you know, for me, if, if somebody's going to lead me somewhere, I got to believe that they're, what they're asking me to do is a hundred percent, uh, what has to be done, but that they would also do it. Sure. Sure. I get that. What's your top daily habit? It's <laughs> an interesting one. Um, so I think self-reflection, um, okay. and I don't think we think mm. we get caught up in things, uh, and it's very easy to get caught up in things. Life is extremely busy. Um, there's a lot of noise, as I put it. I mean, hmm. We lived through that in 2020 and beyond. Tons of noise from from everything about all the things in the world that we're gonna, you know, end overnight. All this stuff, and it's you have to be able to block that noise out. You know, okay, what can I control today? How did I do? And 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 how can I change tomorrow? So one of the things, it's kind of a little bit of a two phase. Um, and this is just my my thing, but I've always. Um, I'm thankful for what I have. So, you know, there's mm -hmm. a moment every night where I just kind of call it praying, meditating, whatever label needs to be put on it. But I'm just thankful that I have the family I have, that they're happy, healthy, and mm -hmm. thankful. For. But then the further one, and I think a lot of people do, right? I mean, people are appreciative. But the further one was something that was taught to me by my dad. Um, and it's funny because I'm pretty sure he doesn't even remember teaching this. But he would tell me, and I do this every day. He goes, every day you're going to brush your teeth, right? Sure. Should, right? Um, mm -hmm. He goes, so in that time, two minutes, whatever you're brushing your teeth, think about your day. And he goes, look at yourself in the mirror and think about your day and take a look at the things you did well and take a look at the things you didn't do. And if you had a day where you did a lot that was really well, be proud of that. You earned your sleep, go get a good night's sleep. But if you had a day where you really did not perform to your level, you know that you didn't, you cut corners, you didn't accomplish things and it was a hundred percent your fault. You were lazy. Um, you made excuses. You've had a pity party. Mm -hmm. He goes, you just lost your, your benefit of a good. So you mm -hmm. better toss and turn all night thinking about how you're going to fix it for tomorrow. So it was kind of this mantra of self-reflection and earning your, and I'll tell okay. you, if you do that every day, you're going to have about three or four nights in a row where you don't sleep very well, but you're going to learn very quickly that you need that sleep. So you're going to value it. <laughs> and it makes you, there's times, I mean, I, I I'll do it to this day. There's times I don't want to work out. There's times I don't want to write. There's times I. I don't want to do that, you know, the extra thing with the kids. Hey, come play cars. Well, guess what? If I don't do it, then when I'm sitting there brushing my teeth, I'm going to know it and I'm going to reflect on it. And that's going to cost me sleep. And I really like my, so that's, I think the self-reflection <laughs> and I do that every day as I'm brushing my teeth. I've done it for years. It, it, it's kind of, it keeps me accountable to me. And I think that's important because, you know, life's all about it. Your, your podcast about it is relationships, right? And yep. relationships are all about being accountable to other people and, but you can't be accountable to other people if you're not accountable to And that's where, that is where that happens. Every night, the two minutes that my toothbrush cleans my teeth, I think about, am I accountable to myself? Did I do good? And, and again, there's a lot of days where I'm, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I nailed it today. Like I did some good <laughs> things and I sleep late. It's awesome. I sleep great. But there's plenty of other nights where I, you can't, you look yourself in the mirror, it's hard. It's hard to BS yourself. And, and yeah, those, those are rough nights. And there's been nights where I've stayed up all night in front of the computer trying to fix things, do things, um, knowing I'm not getting to sleep because it's, I got to fix it, have to fix it. Yeah. That's always worked. Excellent. 
Well, we've got our final four coming up here in just a minute. But before we get there, uh, where can folks find you? So everywhere uh, now, and we're in a process of revamping the website, but it's still up. It's going to be a lot better here shortly. But uh, trmatson.com is the website. Uh, just out of dumb luck, I guess, there's not a lot of TR Matsons out there. So if you Google it, the website's the first hit. Uh, mm-hmm. But on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, it's all TR Matson author. Um, and all those links are, are on the website. So, you know, going to trmasson.com gives you um, previews of the books, previews uh, or other writing I've done from just motivational writing to um, aviation writing to writing to kind of remember some, some buddies I've lost friends mm. over my career. Um, merchandise of merchandise is your thing, but then it also mm-hmm. has links to every place you could buy the books and all my social one-stop shop. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, folks, we'll be sure to put that in the uh, show notes for you here. All right. So we're up to our final four. Are you ready? Just four quick questions. Tell me first thing that pops in your head. Just All right. And, I, and yeah. I will be honest and say the first question is usually the most difficult one. Usually. Not always. Okay. All right. So here we go. Why did God create TR? Ooh, that is a tough question. Um, <laughs> I think he created me to, to show people that the average guy can accomplish things. Mm. Um, you don't have to necessarily be especially gifted athlete or academically or anything like that is if you work hard enough at anything you want to do you can accomplish anything you want to do um so i think it, it he uses me as kind of a to show that that's a possibility i fought my whole way to get everywhere i wanted to get nothing was handed we could have a whole podcast about all the struggles throughout the whole navy career um, <laughs> but I, I really do. And, and I think also to, you know, I, I hope that he created me and pass on my children, you know, compassion and that work mm. ethic and that to further make the world a little, bit, a little bit happier for other people. Love that. Love that. Number two, what are you doing, reading or listening to right now that's helping you grow? So doing is a lot of writing, obviously. Uh, reading is the book that I just bought, which is horrible that I don't even know the name of it, but had her had her write a screenplay. So educational oh, reading okay. on that's that side uh, that was recommended um, to me by another author. Um, and then the the big thing is is just that time management. With uh, I have to take care of myself. I have to continue to work out and and spend yes. time in the gym and and that, but also balance that with the time I get with the family. And mm-hmm. so it's so really that's the. That's the big things right now. Just trying to balance all the time and keep it all keep it all straight, which is yeah. hard to do. The, uh, the the phrasing I like to use, and I got to give credit to my friend Andre Young because I got it from him. Uh, people often talk about things like work life balance. Mm-hmm. It's a misnomer. It's never mm-hmm. in full balance. It's not possible. Nope. But you can have work life harmony. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That is possible. I agree. I agree. All right, number three. What do you do for fun? Fun. Uh, uh, well, working out, honestly, I really do okay. enjoy. Uh, we have a nice little gym we've set up here, and I'm always trying to make it a little bit nicer. And people see that on my Instagram as well, and I get a lot of comments. But I'm I'm a car guy. Uh, by well, that kind of makes sense. So, so um, you know, I have my my toy car that I like and my son likes. You know, and doesn't get driven a ton, but it's there. And then we're kind of planning on our next endeavor build that we want to do together. Oh, um, so that's kind of that's kind of the you know, but on the smaller level, you know, summertime in the pool, that's the thing, you know, throwing mm. the kiddos around. Well, at least my son, my daughter's a little too young, but she loves the water too. That's, that's where we spend most. Good, good. What are you most grateful for? I am 100% most grateful for the support and love that I get from. She is a saint. She has been my biggest advocate for the last 
10 and a half, 11 years we've known each other. Um, she puts up with a lot of ideas that I come up with a lot of things <laughs> that, that I, you know, this is, this might be where, you know, where we should go or where we should focus our energy. And she just kind of takes all that in stride, mm. um, and still looks at me like she did the first day we met and mm. without her, none of this, the books, um, I mean, frankly, let's be honest, I wouldn't be doing my civilian job because I probably would have quit because she wouldn't have told me to wait a week. Um, right. you know, and I, and honestly, I think even just the relationships I have with my children would not be possible if it wasn't for her. Um, because we have a lot of discussions about the good things that we've learned from our parents, the things that we want to kind of change a little bit that we've learned from right. our parents. And, you know, so just having somebody with that support network, unbelievable, all of anything that I six is a hundred to her. So most things. Well, I hope that you tell her that often. <laughs> I do. Very much That's so. good. And, and I will tell you this, even as somebody who is I, I honestly believe this to the core of my being. I think that God puts inside of each woman, they have a sixth sense. They have something we as men, we don't have it. Agreed. And my ex-wife kept us from making so many huge mistakes. I mean, thankfully, I listened. Mm -hmm. But I'm, it's just, and not, it wasn't always just like ideas I came up with. It just may have been, you know, something that was coming up. She's like, you know, maybe we shouldn't go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she would never say why necessarily. I'm just like, okay, we didn't. And yeah. later find out, oh, man, it's a good thing we didn't. Sure. You know, and that's, it, that's just, you know, out. like a small thing. You know, small or big, I'm just like, okay, you you know what? You're not that bright. You need to listen. 100%. 100%. And I was talking about me, not you. So I agree. No, I'm. you're talking about me too. Trust me. I know 100%. I know my limits. So what? what one last quick question. Sure. What books do you typically recommend to people, especially since some I, you know, those who are close to you know you're an author. It's like, okay, Mr. Great Author here, what book should I read? Now, outside of your own, you can't mention your own. <laughs> so outside yeah. of those, what ones do you often recommend to people? So, you know, it, it depends. Most people that come to me for recommendations or books, um, they're looking at kind of a certain genre, right? They're looking okay. for that military action style type sure. thing. And, and most people know about, um, you know, like, the Jack Reacher and all that type of stuff. So they, they know that, right? That's, that's famous. The one that I think a lot of people know about, um, he's an amazing author, uh, is Jack Carr. He's done fantastic oh, yeah. work. Oh my gosh. Um, Those are really good. But it surprises really me too. When I bring that name up, people that, that don't, know, you know, they're like, who? Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, you should read every one of that man books. Like he is unbelievable. But then, um, so that's more of, you know, if you're into the you know, the thriller Navy SEAL side of it. He's my go-to yeah. guy. If you're into, if you like the aviation side, but you want to mix, you know, mine is typically all aviation, but you want to mm -hmm. mix. Uh, I think hands down the best author out there is C.W. Lemoyne. Um, mm -hmm. He's got two series out there, multiple books. I mean, you can get wrapped up into his books for months without putting it down. <laughs> um, but he does an interesting mix of the ground side and the aviation side, and it's, mm -hmm. it's very good. So those are kind of my go-to um, recommendations, you know, for the fiction side, for the, for the nonfiction, you know, if somebody wants a leadership book, you know, the book I recommend. <laughs> you can say it. It was amazing. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, and I told him on the interview I did of him that when I started reading it, I didn't believe it was going to be a good book. I go, this is just some two-star admiral. There's nothing the average American is going to get out of this book. They're going to look at this, like, look at this guy on his pedestal. And then I read it and I was like, man, he did it. Like, everybody can get something out of that book everybody mm. and it blew me away it just blew me so that's yeah. and sure. and mike is so not that way i know but I'm, i mean honestly i was prepared when when i when we first sat down before we started recording 
I asked him, what did he want me to call him? Because I was prepared to call him Admiral. Sure. I mean, he he earned it. And he just, he goes, man, I'm, I'm Mike. Yep. And it, that's, that's just how he is. And that's how he was in the Navy too. Which made yeah. Just how he was. So those are my go-to. Gotcha. Okay. Well, TR, thank you so much for being here today, for taking the time to invest in us because I'm appreciative of that. And as you mentioned earlier, I also believe that time is our most precious resource because it's not renewable. We cannot get it back. And so your investment in us is something I appreciate. So thank you for being here. I appreciate having me. It's fun. I really enjoyed it. You bet. And thanks to all of you for tuning in because you've invested some of that hard-earned time, and I don't take that lightly. So you guys take care, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.